0: Welcome to On The Map, the podcast at the intersection of real estate, startups, and technology. I'm your host, David Beats. I want to thank you for joining us. Now on to today's episode. All right, uh, let's get started with uh, today's podcast guest, Neil Wellborn. Uh, welcome, Neil. Hope you're doing well today.
1: I am. Thank you, David. Appreciate it.
0: Yeah, I think I think we've known each other for what... 20 something years i, was, I yeah. was thinking about it yeah this morning i think i think we met at some kind of esri thing in charlotte yep. north Carolina. it was a
1: southeast user group conference
0: yeah yeah, yeah. There was some kind of lunch, <laughs> lunch thing there i remember i remember chatting with you and um what sunny beach i think yeah and, and a couple other guys so and um kevin
1: yeah. uh kevin what was his name
0: kevin, kevin stewart kevin yeah.
1: stewart yeah
0: yeah, his brother and Michael, actually works. Michael
1: Helander too.
0: Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Kevin's brother actually works at BJ's now, um, in their oh, okay. in their in their grocery um, kind of real estate, that kind of stuff. So, oh, yeah, very, yeah, oh, that's, that's right.
1: He was he was at one of those uh, site selection uh, kind of scout or one of the programs that they were doing. Yeah,
0: right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good. Well, I'm um, just excited to have you today on the podcast and. Um, I know you've got a lot of experience in in GIS, uh, GIS for real estate marketing. You've worked with you know a lot of Fortune 500 companies. Um, you've just seen a lot. So just excited yeah. to kind of kind of have some some conversations. And you know the core audience of Build Central is you know there's a lot of kind of contractors, suppliers, um, kind of on one side, and on the other side you have kind of site selection, um, you have grocery retailers, um, you know, REITs, private REITs, you know, all that kind of folks. So so I thought maybe we could start out just kind of talking about like, what is location analytics and how, how would you kind of describe that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So like you said, um, I, I think in its purest form, location analytics, is the analysis of information with some sort of geographic reference right and that pertains to the outcome of what you're looking for so it's analytics advanced analytics the name has been changing a lot recently in the marketplace but the way that i look at location analytics is everything has to have some sort of outcome or hypothesis right. and if you don't you know you're kind of spinning around and and you know, you'll be spinning in circles, or, or like I used to joke about drive times. Don't spin in a drive time because you're going to be driving around all the time and not with no outcome.
0: <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> but,
1: but a lot of people, a lot of people are starting to understand the power of location-based analytics with geospatial. But specifically in the real estate world, you know, it's been growing a lot faster. There's been so many changes in technology. Mostly the accessibility to data, you know, mobile devices, location-based services, media targeting, that type of stuff, and you know, it 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 adds uh, adds a whole new flavor to real estate.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. Very good. Very good. Um, so you've got so you've got the data, you've got the kind of the platforms, you've got mobile, and it's really about kind of combining all that to get some kind of result or some kind of analysis? Um, maybe yep. you're trying to fix a problem or something like that.
1: Yeah, usually it's yeah. something around demographics and that's where we start getting into the accessibility to data, whether it's paid or free or free from a standpoint of um, publicly available, You know, from your local government, from your, from your tax assessor. Um, and then, then it rolls up from there. And, and that has been another shift and change in the marketplace as well. You know, when we started out 20 years ago, heck, even 10 years ago, parcel data was still, you had to dig for it. And yeah. when I say parcel data, I mean the, the boundaries for property ownership in a localized area, whether it be uh, commercial or, or residential.
0: Yeah, I, I remember when I was at Eden's, just getting an aerial was like a hard thing. Like, like at one point, like maybe <laughs> 15 years ago, they say I want an aerial. I want to be, you know, I'd yeah. go to the the county website and I would do this, and I'd be like, I can't, you know, I just can't. Or I'd have to download these, you know, image huge image files, and maybe I'd have to georeference something, and just be like, it was just brain, you know, it was just brain damage. And then, you know, I, I guess it was around maybe 2010 or something, maybe 2000. Eight two thousand nine. All of a sudden, you got these like base maps of aerials, yeah. and it just made like everybody's life like like so much easier. Um,
1: yeah, and you know, I think I think we're going to talk about it later about how that change and what what really is a GIS analyst now. Are you a right. business analyst? Are you a BA? Are you a data scientist? Are you an analytics person? And then as geospatial and location based services come in, I mean those are really tools that augment, you know, the analytics, the outcome. Right. Right. Yeah. What do we put here? What will work here? What's going on here? Right.
0: Yeah. It feels like to me, we, when we were doing GIS 20 years ago, we were like the original data scientists. I mean, it's like, (laughs) we were, we were doing stuff that like nobody was doing at the time. And it was, well, yeah, and it, and, it, and it was like, but it was like really hard, like, you know, just, yeah. you know, hundreds of thousands of records and trying to figure out, you know, is this data good? Is this data not good? Does that data exist? I mean, like, like you know, and so I don't know, it's, it's every time I hear data science, I think, I feel like we've been doing that for like, just like so long already, you know?
1: And we have, we have been doing yeah. And, you know, a lot of the folks that, that you and I talk to and companies that we talk to from a, a software or a consultative standpoint, I mean, I think a lot of times we can we've learned in our in our in our ripe old age, right? <laughs> we've learned right. that that taking that next step and explaining to someone how we're going to get to that outcome of telling them or analyzing whether that site will work for a grocery store, for uh, a new Amazon store, um, a pickup, you know, a drop-off or pickup, a click and shop type of thing, like right. those types of things, like there's a whole lot of things that have to happen to get to that answer. And yeah. Yeah. sometimes people fall asleep when we tell them that, right?
2: <laughs> right, right. But technology, yeah. Yeah. Is,
1: technology. the change in technology has helped dramatically from a compute and from a storage standpoint. So a lot of the things that took us a couple of hours to get to before we could even make that, that call or mm-hmm. make a recommendation, now we're able to do that quicker and because of that change, now we're able to analyze more in comparative fashion rather than just saying, okay, hey, Neil, here's five sites, tell me which one is the best.
2: Right, right. Right. And now we can say,
1: here's every site that's available and here's how it's ranked, coded, and here's where you need to be because of these indications within the market.
0: Right, right. Instead of looking at it like one side at a time, why not just look at the entire market and be like, "Let's come up with a plan. We think we need to do eight stores here. Where's the best eight? You know, twenty locations, and we can boil it down." So, so about those kind of specific projects, what are what are some? Maybe you can kind of tell our audience some about some some projects that you've been involved in, um, where you where you've used location analytics to maybe solve a problem or something like that.
1: Yeah, I. I will say that um, I try to use location analytics and geospatial technology every project I work on, on, whether whether it's part of it or not, because that extra level, and I'll talk about how showing a map to people really sparks innovation, sparks um, a dynamic relationship and, and a better view of the outcome. But I think I'd probably say building permits or any project that I can work on building permits as part of the initial data aggregation, that one piece leads to so many different opportunities from a data aggregation, from a real estate, marketing, media, traditional and digital. Because, and the reason I say that is because the pandemic changed real estate in a very aggressive way, good and bad, Um, but it took an interesting twist because especially with CRE, right? because there's right. still physical geographic variables that are needed for retailers and commercial real estate and building permits are really the first indicator of that growth, decline or stability in a market. And a lot of people forget to look at stability. So I'd say any project that deals with, you know, I I always go back to source or core data to try right. to build up from it and and we'll talk a little bit about first, second and third party data because it's important for folks that are just getting involved or, or just getting into geospatial but okay but anytime i can take the building permits and i call it clint bringing it down to earth so you take your data and you put it on on the earth on the globe on the blue dot so that you can see what's happening around that area and you know companies yeah. like google street view project and a lot of automated vehicle companies you know like Tesla and Rivian and a couple other companies are using radar and LIDAR on board on their cars, which leads to new validation and visualization of new curbs being cut. A lot of people forget about that. You know, they're just worried about where retailers are from a competitive standpoint. Now you can actually find the new neighborhoods before, you know, like the old, uh, the old Nielsen folks that used to drive around for Claritas and stuff like that, where they'd see all the new neighborhoods and right. you know, Pulte did a really good job with that. But again, now we're talking about different data to bring into the outcome. So now we're blending data into that building permit to get a better idea of what's happening in that market. And I, and I think, you know, I've worked on so many projects where people are just kinda, the, the initial statement is, What's going on here? Why, I want right. to be here. I want to be at Main and First Avenue, right? Right. First and Main. I want to be right in the middle of that intersection. So how do you get them? How do you do the, the plus minus from that intersection and, and validate that it's a good site, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So who, who would be your, like your ideal customer that you would work with on a project like a, like a small developer or like a fortune 500 company? Or, I mean, is there any, is there any kind of, kind of area that you've kind of settled on?
1: Well, I think, I think one of the hardest, well, it all starts with some sort of conversation.
2: Right. And, right.
1: and you and I know that where, where you're in passing and someone says, oh yeah, Neil, Neil knows all about data. And then someone says, no, we're really into geospatial. Well, you know, geospatial, you know, needs to run the fuel for geospatial is data,
2: right? Right. Yeah.
1: A lot of people are using the new oil, you know, as data. But um, if you understand your base data, then you can understand the conversation better and then the outcome of the conversation. So it rolls all the way from Fortune 50 down to the small neighborhood developer that, maybe whose parents owned a few parcels of land now they got a a, a dry center they want to they want to fill it up they don't know who to get yeah. there because a lot of the retail market has changed um, do they tear it down do they refurb it um, but I think the ideal the ideal client for me is a is a customer or client that understands that there's a process involved with the outcome
2: right and yeah
1: sometimes that's hard to find even in the even in the smartest and best organizations because they're just so used to the outcome and not getting to it
2: right and, right,
1: and, and right. we don't have to dig super deep into that but a lot of it has to do with fees right so if someone says hey how much to tell me that there's a this is a great site for this retailer you know we've all heard that i think yeah. uh, i think a pharmacy should go here i think a grocery store should go here And we say, okay, well, here's a market for that. Here's what's happening in the market. And from that, they go to their next person and say, hey, this guy told me this is a great spot, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. And then you get to the
1: validation part and they say, okay, who's Neil? What did he do? What process did he use to say that this is a spot for a grocer or a pharmacy or a big big box grocer? Um, That's the, so the ideal client, it, it's hard to pinpoint it's more of a um, I don't want to say intellect it's more about understanding the outcome if if a, right. if a customer or client understands that there's a, a process involved, then yeah. they're a great client
2: yeah okay because okay
1: then you can pick apart each one of those pieces right?
2: Yeah yeah no, why no, that, it take that so, totally
1: so, so why does it take so long? Well, you know my computer I got to run it through I have a really fast computer Oh, we're in the cloud. Oh, okay. So, what cloud are you in? Accessibility. Here's all the data.
2: <laughs> Excuse me. Right. Uh,
1: we can't use that data. We have to use this data. That's a license issue. You know, we can't publish that. So it's a uh, it's a it's a real understanding of the outcome.
0: Yeah, there's and a lot rare. that goes. Yeah, there's a lot that goes into kind of piecing all that together, figuring out what you can and can't use, and what what can be shown, what can't be shown, and all that. Um, Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, So, go ahead.
1: I think think one part of that, which may be another conversation or podcast is about how do you staff for these types of roles, whether it be utilizing an automated tool, like what you guys have, or utilizing a data aggregation tool and then you making your own decision,
2: right? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Kind of changes, because a lot of real estate companies have that admin, that's putting the logos on top of an aerial, right?
2: Right. Right. So how do you yep. make
1: how do you make the best use of that? You guys did a phenomenal job with that. I mean, when you guys started um, your product around playing grocery, you know, the first thing that every developer looks at is the aerial with logos. And now you right. have where they're going, which is, I mean, I think it's incredible.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks. That that was part of the idea behind it was that, you know, we knew that everybody was putting these logos on. And doing these little kind of quick little studies, and that was going to the marketing materials and to the retailer, or whatever. But it, but it was being locked up. It wasn't getting smarter over time. It wasn't being shared without the you know throughout the company. And so, yeah. so our our idea was to try to make something you know that looked really cool and that you know kind of got smarter over time. Um, yeah. you know, with 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 the more that we we updated it. Um, so you know, speaking about things that look cool, I'm going to share my screen here. Oh no!
1: What are you showing? What
0: are you showing? Um, I'm going to show that Twitter pro- project that we worked on oh, a while yeah. back. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh let's yeah. See. Yeah. Can you see that? Can you see my screen? Oh there? yeah. Yeah. I can. So, so I just oh, so damn, I found this. I, I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. I found that this was like 2015. I found yeah. a. I was I was submitting our a, a paper to the Esri um for the Esri conference next year. And I was looking through my emails and I found where we had submitted, uh, to talk about this project. And I I don't know if we got it in too late or I don't know what happened, but it it never went anywhere. But, um, but we did do this project back in 2015 and I just thought it was just really cool. I'm surprised you don't see more stuff like this, but, um, I don't know maybe you could walk us through a little bit, kind of like what we're looking at here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Man, I can't believe you dusted this thing off. That's great. Um, (laughs) So yeah, David, this was, um, I was at a, um, an experiential marketing company, that company EventLink, Link, um, which has been acquired by, a, I think they were acquired by a private equity company out of New York or Boston over the last right, couple yeah. of years. Okay. Um, but the goal was here was to isolate and deliver who's talking about the brands within social.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: we put this, I remember, we put this on a huge jumbotron. It was probably—I don't know if I ever told you this—it was probably two stories tall. Yeah. And this was on there, and there was a guy over in the corner clicking on stuff when people would ask and say, "Hey, can you can you click on this one? I want to see if this tweet or this uh, this hashtag popped up." And it was it was near real time. I mean, it it was fantastic. We used the um, couple of things. We used your leaflet. Um, APIs, right. we used the social APIs of Twitter, Facebook, um, I think Foursquare was another one then. Instagram wasn't really big, but it was still there. I think we had that in there as well. and, yeah. uh, and then we then we took all of the the hashtags from every automotive company, not just one, all of them, and we were working with the specific one. I, I I'm gonna keep names out just for sake of the the conversation, but, We're working with uh, one of the biggest ones and um, they wanted to see the whole landscape because what we found out very quickly, so the outcome, and this is, (laughs) I'm glad you're showing this. So the outcome was we want to have visibility into the social networks of who's talking about what cars and what is their sentiment? Are they happy? Are they sad? Are they sharing experiences? And that was the outcome. So we achieved that. And then, what happened from that, a, a lot of other projects spawned from that, where we saw that most of the posts weren't selfies of people saying, I love my car. Most of the posts were, Hey, this happened to my car. Someone help me. I need help with it.
2: Right. Um, yeah. So yeah. It, was,
1: it was about 10%. Hey, this is my new car. This is my new ride, sharing it with their friends, hashtag, you know, automotive company. And then it turned into, we're doing marketing campaigns. How many people are talking about this specific hashtag, this call to action, right. on a marketing campaign in social, and did we achieve the results we were looking for, which was so far outside of the original outcome,
2: right? Right. Yeah. 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 So this was Very great. cool. Yeah. 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 yeah.
0: yeah. so just, simple, too.
2: It... That's,
0: what, yeah. that's
1: what you and I liked about it. It was real
0: simple. Yeah. And we, we talked about how it'd be, it'd be interesting maybe to do this for like maybe some political stuff or even like grocery brands. I mean, that could be really fascinating seeing like how maybe people are, you know, referencing, um, grocery brands and I don't know. I've just, I've always thought that there's, there's a lot more that can be done with something like this. So, um, yeah, I'm glad. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: And, and I think one of the powers of
0: because it's a it's a
1: train of thought, right? You have to change the way that you think. And there's you know one of the biggest GIS companies in the world. Their slogan is you know we are the I forget the uh, what's the what's the slogan of where we're the science of where the science we're of right? where right yep. yeah yeah mm-hmm. if anyone from that company is listening I apologize I butchered that but <laughs> <laughs> but the science of where and and that's really what we're talking about here is that is that how do you, like, I always say things are cool, right? And I'm trying to stay away from that because, you know, we're, you know, we're joking about getting older, but right. the outcome of that simple project led so many different um, projects from that, whether yeah. I was involved with it or not. And I think that's another, another key component of being um, in this industry of, LBS and GIS, location-based services and geographic information systems and real estate. Is that how do you react to the outcome that you know that someone's asking you? Do you say, here's the outcome? But I found all of these other really amazing things because it it really overloads. It gives it gives a lot of people analysis paralysis.
0: Right, right. It kind of builds on itself. You do one project and then it opens up all these other doors. You're like, oh, we also need to be. Thinking about this, this and that, because yeah. um, because I remember with that Twitter project, there was an auto show I think in Vegas, and I remember zooming yeah. in and just seeing all these dots, you know, come up as people were, you know, looking at different cars and stuff. And I just thought it was just, I mean, just fascinating, just really interesting. Yeah, um, and
1: it, and and that that's another area that um, I know that we we could have, just like what we're describing now, we could have. Twenty different podcasts about each one of these. A lot of a lot of the information around indoor location services within right. an, an actual indoor space, whether it be through Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, or other um, technologies, where they can isolate people walking around um, with without PII. And I know that that's a big change. It's a big paradigm change right now in the world. Is what is PII? I won't get too deep into that. But I will caveat that everything that I'm talking about here, all the projects that do reference either indoor or outdoor from a persona or a device tracking, there's no PII associated to it. Yeah, when you say PII,
0: yeah, just for our I'm audience, sorry,
1: personal identifiable information.
0: Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, okay. Yep, yep. Very cool. Well, what what are you most excited about? Kind of with you, kind of. I think you kind of touched on a little bit, but just in the field of location analytics, you know, what, what, what do you think of that you're excited about? Maybe, maybe something I mean, that's uh, new or changing or?
1: Yeah. Um, I think just the technology. I mean, the processes that you and I were talking about a couple of minutes ago, I mean, those have changed so dramatically. I mean, it used to, it was a joke with GIS folks that, you know, you set, set your computer to do an analysis, you go over and, play some video games, ping pong, you know, whatever. Um, I always used to joke whenever I'd go to the USGS, the US Geological Survey offices, you know, they'd have all of these things, ancillary things outside of the, the work environment because you were literally setting it up and waiting for hours.
2: Now right, those right.
1: hours take seconds and now milliseconds in the, in the cloud the separation, what most excites me is that separation of storage and compute in the cloud. And Mm -hmm. even in that, um, the original like Hadoop environments where you're using multiple nodes to process, that's what excites me because now you have all of this data and the faster you can analyze it, the faster you can find out the other things that that pop out, the other projects that we were talking about, the other ideas and, of course to make beautiful maps i mean that's I, I i love the fact that you know google earth was you know just it it changed the market you know a lot of people said oh if you know how to use google earth you're a gis analyst right no that's not
2: the case. right right we, yeah. we
1: know that but but it's still that perception is is what is what we have to to go up against so i think the most exciting part is the 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 change in storage and compute, whether it's cloud or on-prem, just being able to process all that information. The tools are essentially the same.
2: Right, yeah.
1: There's some some low-code, no-code tools out from a couple of companies that are really, really fantastic. But ultimately, at the end of the day, you still have to apply the methodology that we were talking about, either the scientific method or some sort of tracking to be able to, to get to an outcome.
0: I still talk to the developers today that are using Google Earth, and they yep. they love it. I mean, and it's like it drives me crazy. Like I can't work in it, but like oh they God. swear by it, and they they've got all these different little places, and they zoom in and they zoom out from site to side, and you know, I'm just like I just I just can't, you know. And I think what was it SketchUp where you could build like little buildings yeah. and kind of put in there models, yeah, yeah, which is pretty cool. And there's actually a um, there's a there's a series on Netflix about I watched I think it. When, did you, well, I haven't seen it yet, but, I, oh but I, 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 I've got it. I'm, I'm dying to watch it. I I, th- I guess it was with the acquisition of Keyhole and some of that, that stuff around that time. Yeah. yeah. Is, is it good? Was, is
1: it it? Um, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna okay. sway your decision. I don't want to yeah. do a spoiler. Just keep an open mind because remember the time it was right before the year 2000. Right. And there were so many, um, discoveries and compute and storage and coding and the internet, right? right yeah. So yeah. as the pipeline for data delivery got bigger with DSNs and um, I, I'm sorry, uh, digital supply networks um, and then ultimately your cable network or where you're getting your, your data from to your house.
2: Right, that yeah, when that, yeah.
1: When that tunnel opens up wider, you're able to access more information. That's where the mapping and the and the the particular series you're talking about deals with Google and and this uh, small startup that that created that blue marble type of product,
2: supposedly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Where okay. WorldWind,
1: remember WorldWind from NASA,
2: And right. um,
1: Pterosaur, oh, not Terrasaurus. It was another one. Tera, All of those. Yeah. Something that was.
0: Microsoft either Microsoft yeah. built it or they bought it. It was Terra something.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 I remember
1: that.
0: Well, we'll have to, yeah. um, yeah, I'll have to watch it and we'll have to have you back on the podcast and maybe <laughs> we can, we can talk about it someday. then. so with, yeah. but without giving away too many spoilers. Um, right. so, so what do you think about the, the mobility data providers? That's we, we talked to We've been talking to several of those companies, you know, over the last couple of years. And, you know, some of them just sell data. Some of them kind of have built their own platforms and they're kind of measuring, you know, kind of places and how it changes. Um, Just have have you worked with any of that data or kind of what's been your experience?
1: Absolutely. Um, I love them. Uh, I can't get enough of it. I'm a huge advocate for consumer protection of PII. But I will say if the consumer on the app, on the mobile app or the mobility application or the accessibility, the program, if the consumer allows it, I'll air quote that. Right. It's the best primary data available, hands down. It is Mm -hmm. first, first party primary data. And from a geo and predictive modeling standpoint around expenditure, around Um, usability, where they're using it, where they're interacting with it. Again, from a safety standpoint, I'm not getting into the the car situation, but everyone uses their smartphone. Everyone has one now. Everyone is mobile. Everyone is mobile. And I like it because although the desktop, and sorry, I have so many air quotes here, the desktop is still relevant, but the mobility applications that are provided with the data that they're aggregating have minimized that gap between the desktop and the mobile, which to me is is that gap that we were always trying to find, right? We were always trying to find to work and from work. Where do we put the grocery store? Where do we put the pharmacy? Where do we put the gas station? Mm
2: -hmm. What are
1: the consistence even with a global pandemic even with people hunkering down in their homes, the, now the desktop is relevant again, but they're still on their mobile. Right. Now they're not driving to work, they're at work and they're at home. Yeah. But they still got to get groceries. And then there's a whole thing around the click and shop, the delivery aspect of it, which adds yeah. lo- is 100% pure location-based you know, analytics and services. Then back to what I was saying about you know, you're still, you're still, you still have that divide of where are they going? How far are they going now? And are they driving to a specialty grocery store or a specific pharmacy because of the the demographic or the, um, the location that they're in is a pharmacy within two and a half miles, five minutes grocery store yeah. within here. So we saw, we saw a lot of changes in the market side of analytics when the pandemic hit but it didn't change a lot of the grocery pharmacy and gas and other gas a little bit because people weren't driving as much but right the other the other core products that people had to leave their house to do they were still doing it and and yeah. as we know in record numbers in the grocery
0: right industry. right yeah yeah do you think that um Apple's new privacy features will affect any of that data? Hmm.
1: So let me boil that down a little. Well, first answer, no. I don't think it'll put a dent in that primary data at all because yeah. it takes a layer of that PII, the personal identifiable information that I was talking about. It com- takes it completely out of the equation. It's a randomized MAC address so that when, it, when that device gets um, found or located within a Wi-Fi or a Bluetooth area, um, right. that it completely anonymizes it, but you still know they're there, right? Yeah. So it takes it out of the equation for people other than Apple, but I'll go down a side note here. Now that makes Apple's media delivery primary first-party data a thousand times more valuable, which, right. let's, be, let's be real probably everybody fell asleep when I just started talking about that. But, <laughs> but, but, if, if you, if you own the primary data and you randomize it and you have to call them to get that information right now that, now that makes them more valuable.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So no, I don't, I don't sense. think it'll, yeah.
1: yeah. I don't think it'll change. Um, I know a lot of people in the indoor, um, the, um, indoor location industry, we're freaking out, oh my gosh, we're not gonna be able to tell. Well, they weren't supposed to tell it anyway. Um, They were supposed to have an opt-in and if they opt-in, well then the privacy feature is nullified anyway. So just be careful folks out there. If you opt in for a free t-shirt, you're opting in on that 40 page disclaimer that you never read. There's location analytics right in there.
0: (laughs) Nothing's right, nothing's free. Yeah, Um, yeah, if you're not paying, then you, you. Yeah, you are the product right if you're not paying for it.
1: Oh, David, that's, (laughs) that's, uh, you and I have said that how many times, right?
0: Right. Yeah, yeah. And and
1: how many people don't check the box right when they're downloading an app.
0: Yeah, 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 absolutely. Do you think the mobile data, this is something that, so like one challenge we've had with the plain grocery data is knowing like when a site starts construction. Do you think the mobile data is good enough that we could get some kind of alert like when a site when when somebody starts visiting a location that they haven't been visiting before I mean you know if you're building a grocery store all of a sudden you're going to have you know you're going to have a lot of people on site building that thing and and that yeah. site might be like a field before that I wonder is there I wonder if there's any way you think it's possible we could get some kind of signal whenever a site is kind of like activated
1: That is a, an alert or signal that's activated.
0: Yeah, like, like if we the, had, if if we if we know that ten grocery stores are supposed to start construction over the next year, could we monitor those locations for like activity, like like cellular or mobile activity, and get some kind of yeah? Alert? You could.
1: Yeah. So um, I yeah. was thinking from a um, a third party, but if you have a primary relationship with a mobile carrier or 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 like one of these mobile
2: yeah yeah
1: so if you think about and i and we won't digress too too far on this one but if you think about the mobile um the mobile landscape Mm -hmm. all right i'm going to go on a quick diatribe here all right okay so the united states we know has 332 million people we know the world has about 7.8 billion people and from what i just said the united states has 4% 4% of that total population.
2: Right. So right. you
1: have China and India, speaking very fact of the matter, just empirically, China's 18% of the world's population, India's 17. So for 1.4 billion and 1.3 billion, respectively. So when you look at mobile, so I'm gonna say Apple and Android, right, in the United right. States. Yeah. So what are the two biggest devices? For Apple and Android, well, Apple has their own, and Android is Samsung
2: here in the yeah. United States. Yeah.
1: Now, globally, show me uh, the it's it's a X-I-O-M-I, the Chinese company. They are the leader in global mobile device manufacturing. Mm-hmm. Something completely outside of our of our scope, our lens, but in the same token, it's Android. So right. now now we're taking that data and we're clamping it back down to the, to, the, to the earth, right? To the dirt. And now when we say, okay, if you were in a partnership with Samsung or Android or Apple and you could access their data, their primary data, their location-based information, right. you could unequivocally 100% put an alert, a fence, a geofence around the area that you're looking at, whether it be from a traffic standpoint, or an individual
0: mm-hmm. not PII okay. you couldn't find out who they were who they were but you could tell that somebody was there yeah yes. yeah
1: now now we get into accuracy right what's the level of accuracy so we know that um, if I'm in an indoor facility in a Wi-Fi mesh environment and I walk in and my phone is always looking for the next connection spot or Wi-Fi or cell signal um, that's going to be relatively accurate gonna be within right. five, five feet. Okay. When you start triangulating, and this is a whole mathematical model that I'll, I love to geek out on, but I'll keep it light here. When you have three towers for cell signal, mobile telecommunication, the, the level of triangulation and accuracy based off of those towers, if they're really close together, you're gonna to be more accurate. If you're really farther apart, it's not gonna be as accurate.
2: Okay. But, okay. But we
1: have things that that make that more accurate from a street, like a street center line or a real, a commercial real estate area where we could isolate. Okay. There's a lot of people over here. We really don't know where they're going, but we know there's a mall right there.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. There's, interesting. But yeah. 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 But, well, so we'll, yeah. Have talk, we'll have to yeah talk more about that at some point. I, that'd be, that'd be interesting. We're always, we're always just looking for ways to kind of Kind of make the data better and if there's some way we can get a signal whenever something starts construction i mean we're, we're following up and and making the calls and doing the research but we're, we're always looking for technology ways to kind of help as well so um well just keep know. in
1: mind why comcast and xfinity have started becoming a mobile carrier right
2: right so well, they yeah. are one of the yeah. leaders
1: in the data pipe the the size of the information that you're receiving so right Apple doesn't have, well, they have Apple TV now, and we're, we're going down a different outcome, which is great, but you follow what I'm getting at. Whoever's controlling that pipeline of data and information is yeah. going to be able to make a more accurate decision on whatever outcome they're looking for based off of the habits of the people that are within that area.
0: Right, because they have, they have more data yeah, to look at. Yeah, primary, yep, yep, like, primary data. Yeah, literally. data
1: they are the creator and they are the owner.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Well, as, as far as like startups <laughs> and the commercial real estate, you know, GIS kind of, kind of area, is there, is there, is there anything that you've seen, you know, I'll I kind of preface that I was at CRE tech New York um, yep. about a month ago, I guess. And there was um, this new company alpha map, which, which yep. looks really interesting. I don't, I don't, I, I don't completely understand it. I think I, th- I think I need to get a demo and, and just understand it a little bit better. But but those guys the guys that started it have have a really good track record. And um, uh, Sidewalk Labs is kind of interesting. It actually yeah. takes a piece of land and it will auto configure a bunch of different site plans and do some performas and that kind of stuff. So um, I was just, is there anything interesting that you've come across? Or
1: yeah, I um, absolutely. I mean, those two. Um, that you're talking about. I, I said before, I'm going to try to stay away from names from an endorsement standpoint, but
2: you right, know, I've been yeah. reading
1: about those um, a lot of indoor, a lot of automation or automation of workflows. When previous, you know, in the, in the beginning of our podcast, we were talking about how long it took just to get up and running, bring your data in, put together a map, print out some stuff, and have someone draw on it these startups now are taking that part of that workflow and really optimizing it.
2: And the way that they're
1: doing it, what what makes me excited for that change is that it takes a big chunk of the the things that people like you and I either love to do or hate to do, right? Because there's always Mm the, it's the art and the science. That's what I categorize GIS and location-based and technology really, right? You have the people, process and technology and you have art and science. So these startups are targeting very specific pain points that either analysts or leadership have at companies where they're trying to break through to get an outcome quicker. So anything with indoor, like you are talking about, application primary type data, um, but for, for this type of specific conversation that we're having, anything that focuses around the triangulation of primary, secondary, and third-party data that make it quicker, more accurate with location-based systems, that Mm -hmm. gets all of my attention. Because these companies that I'm talking about um, will be acquired or purchased very quickly, if not immediately when they go to market or as soon as they go to market. And then we kind of lose that that discovery and the entrepreneurialism of, uh, of GIS and technology, right?
2: Right. I yeah. Mean, they get scooped yeah.
1: up so quick. So quick. Right.
2: Right. Okay. And,
1: and let me caveat because I've said it a few times. Just real quick, I won't dig deep into it. First party data is typically your data or someone someone that creates data for themselves from their own process. Right. Second party data is someone else's data, someone else's first party data that you purchase from, so now you're the second party. So David, you create some first party data on a mobile app you have, I buy it from you. And I say, this is Neil's data uh, helped, helped by David or you know th- that type of environment as an example. And then third party right. data is an aggregation of all of those to a common, um, a common output, which goes all the way back to an address, a parcel or a building permit, right?
2: We've circled the whole gamut. So
1: so any any startup that triangulates all three of those, and let's be honest, um, the media, and not the media from a traditional TV, radio, or newspaper standpoint, but digital media, um, display media, and targeting around that. Anytime you can say, here's how many people we want to see your ad, and you can definitively document, we're going to give it to 100,000 people at this time, this microsecond, right before a commercial comes up on your TV. That's what's intriguing.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. And there's well, a lot of what, them
1: out there. A lot of yeah.
0: them out there. Okay. Okay. Well, if somebody's new to location analytics, what, what's what's the best way for them to kind of learn more or, or get started? Oh, wow. To start mapping
1: start taking right. a map, start learning about data because your map can't come to life without data. And I think, and I'm kind of old school that way. If you learn about first, second and third party data, if you learn about the root of where the data is coming from and building from that, then you understand your sources and then you can build beautiful maps from the data. And I would say document everything, Reference everything because you are a point of reference. I, a mentor of mine, um, Dr. beck at Western Michigan University, always used to tell me every presentation you make, create it like someone has never met you and has no idea what you were presenting, they can read it from the map and a disclaimer or a little note,
2: right? Always, right.
1: always make it so every page you create in a deck or a PowerPoint or an application, someone can formulate what they're looking at.
2: Okay. And, okay.
1: And with that being said, I think um, I, there's, a, there's a really big gap. We touched on it earlier in the podcast. Um, there's a really big gap in the market right now with analytics and data science folks. You and mm-hmm. I, we've been doing this for years, but what's happening is it's a big gap. And what that means is there's a, there's, it's a perfect time to get involved. And a little bit of learning, a little bit of book smart helps, but getting your hands into a mapping application and understanding data, not to total geek out. I mean, you don't have to be able to do regression modeling, random forest coding or data engineering, but all of those areas I just mentioned offhand are huge opportunities in the market right now because of cloud computing.
2: Right. So okay.
1: The GIS and location-based systems and site selection, and all the tools and the outcomes, you know, you want to try to follow a principle. And, and this is what I went back to the recommendation, like, if, if you're trying to get into it, understand the principles of the basics of the scientific method, you know,
2: right, right,
1: the observation, research, hypothesis, test it, analyze, and then report off of it and keep the circle going.
2: Yeah, really yep. trying
1: to understand what, so what, now what, and then that whole who, what, when, where, why and how, you know, are still relevant. And that's where the science of where that's what it was from yeah. uh, that GIS company. So I mean, yeah. it's a awesome. big opportunity right now. Big opportunity.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Well, um, what, what's the what, what's the best way for people to uh, get in touch with you if they if they want to um, get in touch, maybe uh, LinkedIn, your e- email or
1: yeah, you can look me up on LinkedIn, um, Neil Wellborn, W E L B O U R N E. My email address, Neil.Wellborn, N E A L.W E L B O U R N E, at gmail.com. Um, or you could get a hold of Dave and, and he'll, uh, he'll ping me. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm open to discussions. I do a lot of coffee talks, I do a lot of presentations for in market, for local governments, economic development groups. They'll they'll bring me in to talk to real estate professionals, commercial and residential or retail. Um, I don't do it as much because of COVID over the last couple of years, but um, I do a lot of virtual things like this podcast where people have an outcome and they wanna reverse engineer how to get to a better outcome. um, And then formulating those ideas around the people process and technology. So
2: okay.
1: I awesome. live and breathe GIS and David, I, I, I mean, I can't thank you enough for having me on here.
0: Hopefully yeah, I didn't thanks. talk too much. No, no, this has been great. Yeah, def- definitely appreciate you uh, joining us. I've enjoyed the conversation and uh, thanks for joining us today.
1: Absolutely. Thank you, David.